ሰላም አርማዎቻችን እንዴት ቆያችሁ የምትከታተሉት መልእክ ፖድካስት ነው መልእክ ከመጀመሪያ እንግዲህ ይሄ ወደ ሁለተኛ አመት እየተጠጋን ነው በዚህ ወር ነበር የመጀመሪያውን ኤፒሶድ የለቀቀ ነው እንግዲህ እግዚአብሔር ቱን ሁለት አመት ደፍነናል እግዚአብሔር ይመስገን እንግዲህ እስካሁን ከሰባ በላይ ፕሮግራሞች ሰርተናል አትላንቲ ያዩት ነበር ከ35 ሰዓት በላይ ክሮስቱ 36 ሰዓት ኮንቴንት ነው ይሰራነው በጣም ይገርመኝ አንድ ሰው ምናልባት ያለማቋረጥ ፖድካስታችንን ቢሰማ ጣዋት ጀምሮ መሽቶ ድጋሚ ነክቶ ይመሻል ማለት ነው እንግዲህ ማሰብ በጣም በጣም ረጅም ኮንቴንት ነው ይሰራነው እግዚአብሔር ይመስገን ባይ ዘዌ ይሄን የሚያደርግ ሰው ካለ 36 ሰዓት ያለማቋረጥ የሚሰማ ሰው ካለ ትልቅ ሽልማት አለ ይሄን ማድረግ ፈልጉ ሰዎች ካላችሁ ጻፉልን ይሄን የሚያደርገውን ሰው መቼ በጣም በጣም ነገር ይሄን የሚያደርግ ምችል ሰው ካለ እንግዲህ እግዚአብሔር ስለመጣነው ረጅም መንገድ እግዚአብሔር ይመስገን በጣም ብዙ የተማርንበት ብዙ ሰዎችን ያወቅንበት በተሰበ ያፈራንበት ጉዞ ነበር ብዙ ጓደኞችን አፍርቻሉ እኔ ለምሳሌና ክብሩን ሁሉ እግዚአብሔር ይሰደው ሁላችንም እንደድል ነው የምናየው ይሄንን ይሄንን ጆርኒ በእውነት ደግሞ ከዚህ በላይ የሚበልጥ ብዙ ነገር እግዚአብሔር እንደበኛ እንደሚሰራ አብሮን እንደሚረዳን በጣም እርግጠኞች ነን ደግሞ ሚናንተን ጸሎት እንደወትሩ እንፈልጋለን ዛሬ ለየት ያለ ቆይታ ነው የሚኖረን የዛሬው እንግዳችን ካይምሮ ጤና አንጻር ከራሱ ኤክስፒሪያንስ እንዲሁም ከቢሰቡም ተመክሮ ያጠናም ካለው ፊልድ አንጻር ያጫውተናል አንድሪ ኩዊንሊ ይባላል አሜሪካዊ ነው የሚኖረውበት ታይላንድ ነው ባለተዳርና የሶስት ልጆች አባት ነው ይበልጥ ራሱን በደም ቢያስተዋውቅልናል በኋላ ጫዋታችን የሚሆነው በእንግሊዘኛ ነው እንግዲህ ይሄንን መስማትማት ቹሉ ሰዎች ይቅርታ ጠይቃለሁ እንደ ቦነስ ኤፒሶድ ያዙልን ግን በጣም እንካፈለው ነገር አለ ዲፈረንት ፐርስፔክቲቭ እናገኛለን በእያስባለሁ አብራችሁን ቆዩ Welcome welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much Tensei. I'm really happy to have you as a guest. I've learned a lot from you. You inspired me. Before we start, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background. All right. I um I was born in the US and 6 months after I was born, my family <laughs> moved to Jamaica. We mm-hmm. lived there for 6 years. and then from there we moved to the philippines and lived there for 14 years um and that kind of helps to situate part of my identity i am someone who has been transplanted mm. from culture to culture and i i find a great deal of interest and affection mm. for people whose lives are lived in different cultures who mm. have their own personal Uh, their personal goals their personal ambitions their desires to make a life for themselves um with with the different challenges that they face in their own cultures mm. yeah how many countries you you lived uh this is maybe a fourth country that i've actually lived in uh we mm. currently live in thailand me and my wife and my mm. three children yeah. as well what did you study i studied uh, i am a perpetual learner. Uh, my first degree was in communications. Uh my second degree was in it was a masters in English with an emphasis in rhetoric, so it's all about persuasive speech, how we mm. use language to move people mm. and how we use language to basically construct the world that mm. we live in. Uh and then I am currently 
in the process of studying marriage and family therapy. Yeah, that's yeah. the reason we are here today. Right. Just before that, uh, tell me, tell us a little bit about your jiu-jitsu. Oh yes, the sport. <laughs> <laughs> that's a separate interest. I, I've always got some side project going on. <laughs> um, I found uh, I was doing Muay Thai because we lived in Thailand, mm. and um, it's a great sport. But my son was growing up, and I wanted to get him into martial arts, and I didn't feel like a striking sport was the right way to introduce him to martial arts. So I found a jiu-jitsu gym, and I just thought, wow, this is so healthy. It is such a, it's it's a place where you can get hugs for an hour and a half, you know, every day. It just and, and you learn this is not this part is not safe, but the other part is nice. You know, yeah. I get to just cuddle with people for an hour and a half. Wow. Yeah. So I feel very emotionally mm. saturated, very, very, uh, very happy. My well-being has been lifted at the end of every jiu-jitsu match because mm. there's just so much physical touch. Yeah, yeah, so much. <laughs> and that's my love language. <laughs> that's my love language, Is too. it? <laughs> yeah, I think for men, a lot of us, that's our love language. Is it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, statistically. Mm, for girls, it's like gifts. <laughs> Acts of service, quality time. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Doesn't that make you aggressive? Oh, does it make me aggressive? Competitive, uh, aggressive. I have really had to um, work on that part of myself because my the other day I was... With my son, we try to have a habit of I lay with each one of my kids at the end of every day and just talk with them about anything in their life that they're really thinking about. Mm. And um, I've got a competition coming up and mm. my son and I have been talking about whether or not he will compete in this one. And he had competed in the previous one and he did a great job. He fought all the way through. We had decided it's not the goal is not to come home with a medal. The goal mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. to stay on the mat until the referee says, you have fought as long as I am allowing you to fight. Mm -hmm. And we said, as long as you do that, you're a warrior. You're a warrior if you, you fight the whole way through the match. Mm -hmm. And if the referee says, okay, time's up, you have finished the match. Mm -hmm. You completed what you're supposed to do. You're a mm -hmm. warrior. If the referee says, um, you know, this looks like a submission, I'm calling this. Mm. then you have done everything that you can do. And the referee is ending the match for you. And so he did that. And he was able to wrestle his way out of seven different submissions. And I just thought, wow, this is, this is very good for him to help to prove to himself that he can work his way through life's difficulties. Um, but this one coming up, he's got a lot of other things that are of interest mm. to him. And so he asked me, uh, if I was doing it, I said, yeah, I'm going to do it. And I said, the medals don't matter. And he said, well, then why are you keeping yours? Because I, I had a couple. And <laughs> I said, smart. well, the reason why is because this is a new, it's uh, a new me. It's a new phase in my life. I've never competed for medals before. I've been on some teams, mm. like soccer teams and mm. things, and we've gone through uh, tournaments and things like that. But as far as a personal challenge of saying, I want that achievement, I want mm. that medal and mm. fighting for it, it's new for me. So yeah, there's a, there's a drive towards that. Um, but I don't think necessarily the sport makes you have it. Uh, you, can, you, mm. can, you can roll in jujitsu as a lifestyle mm. or you can roll for competition. Mm. Uh, as a lifestyle, I think it's very healthy. As a competition, you can get hurt doing it that way. Right. Um, mm. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's great. I met uh, a guy who is in Taekwondo like sports. Mm -hmm. First, we started conversation and he was very decent and 
very calm, listening. And I was curious, like, how calm? <laughs> he was very patient. So I found out later that he has, I think, four dance. Mm. So he told me the sport helped him to be patient, to be calm. And yeah, I think that's amazing. I think uh, connecting this with the topic of mental health, martial arts mm. tend to help you become aware of your body and where your body is in space. Mm. And they help bring your attention into your physical space so that you you don't feel so frantic. You don't feel pulled and, and dispersed. Mm. You don't feel like you're being spread out all over the place when you enter a room. You know where your physical body is and you know what things are a threat to me and what things are not a threat to me. Mm. And it really does help you become much more centered as a person. So I, I really mm. recommend martial arts mm. as long as you're not the kind of person who's just trying to go out there and hurt people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm finding out these days, everything is connected. Your mm. physical body, your mental, your emotion. Once you are working on one of them, you're, you're working on everything. So, Tell us a little bit about why you uh, chose to study your master's on. Yeah. Um, uh, my experience with the mind has been, it's kind of woven in and out. And it's the mind and its language and its relationships. Uh, and it's just meaning, meaning mm -hmm. in general. Um, when I was a, when I was in high school, I went through a period where if I had continued to go that way, and really, I mean, it became fairly ingrained. I had habits that were obsessions, that were compulsions, where I, if I left my bed I, and took 12 steps, if I took 13 steps, I had to wash my feet before I got back in bed. Because in my mind, it's like, oh, mm -hmm. no, I'm, no, I'm dirty. Uh, no one could touch my guitar or my PlayStation controller unless they had washed their hands first. Um, and even... After I became a believer, there was this uh, sort of insidious blend of that compulsion with faith and the sense that if I feel a compulsion inside of me to pray mm -hmm. or to worship, then I must stop what I'm doing right now and do it. And if I don't, then I'm being ashamed of the gospel or... If I have a thought that goes through my head that's not a good thought, then I'm not taking every thought captive. And it's impossible. You mm. cannot control your mm. thoughts. You can't mm. control every thought. But it began to just ruin my life. So I had this whole period of time that started before I became a believer and then continued even after I became a believer for a number of years mm. in which my thought life was becoming, um, it, I was becoming captive to my thought life. Mm, mm. And uh, my mother would say something to me consistently because I shared it with her at one point, you know, and she said, well, there's a saying in our family, which is you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but yeah. you can keep it from building a nest. Mm. And so you, you're going to have thoughts. You're mm. going to have all kinds of thoughts that you don't like and things that will trouble you and bother you. And you can't stop those thoughts from coming your way. Yeah. But you can choose not to meditate on them. Mm. Now, that's one part of it. Uh, another part of it is in my 
in my reading, in my writing, uh, I'm an author as well. An author of fiction, though, because I believe in the power of story to introduce deep truths into people's lives. Um, and I also believe that we ourselves, we, we live off of stories mentally. To be healthy, mm. we have to have a coherent story about ourselves. And we inform that story by digesting the stories of the world around us. Um, there's a thing called autobiographical reasoning. And autobiographical reasoning means I make sense of my life by the story that I tell about my life. Mm. The portions of your brain that are responsible for remembering the past are also connected to projecting the future. And the language side of your brain enables you to process mm. past events and future events to make plans based on what happens in the past. Mm. And experiences that you hear about when somebody tells you a story or books that you read, they activate parts of the brain that are activated when you are actually doing the same thing. You know, if in the book someone is running for their life, you, you might actually feel that sense of adrenaline being secreted uh, because your brain is processing what's happening to this character as though it's also happening to you. Mm. And which is mm. why, you yeah. know, we we love characters we cry for characters when they mm, die mm, yeah our brain is able to bond to yeah. produce the same hormones for fictional stories as it is to be able to produce for our own yeah, life yeah so stories are important your mind guides your your thoughts but like you're saying your body is also a key component to this uh, what i am currently in the process of studying is the relational component to all of this, that mm. you are not just you, mm. an individual sitting in a room. Anytime there is another person present, there now is a system. Mm. And it's a system that has impacts on the reality that we experience. And what's more fascinating is that even the conversations we have begin to shape the inner reality of your mind. So you may leave this, mm. but... You know, you may leave this room. We may leave this podcast. People listening to this podcast right now, when they turn this off, the things that they have heard us speak about, the conversations, the mental conversations that we've all had together within this 30, 40 minute time, time block, mm. uh, they become a part of the thought process mm. of mm. that person. That's what I love about podcasting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. You think together. Like, yeah, it's true. <laughs> you also learn how to think. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but you become a system mm. and you do so willingly where you decide, okay, you know, this is the mm. thing that I believe is worth my time and my attention. Uh, so I'm glad we have people like you who are bringing good thoughts to the forefront of people's attention. Yeah, thank you. I think you're, you're putting yourself in a ocean of toad, uh, which is big. Yeah, there's, there's so much to explore when mm. it comes to the mind. Yeah, and yeah. it's one of those aspects of human experience that it's really hard to fully measure. Mm. Um, we're able now to scan the brain. We're able to track neurological connections. Mm. But still, it, it's something that does take a lot of interpretation to understand, okay, what is happening? What's our best guess as to what's happening here? Yeah. So... You were talking about uh, captivating our thoughts. 
mm. which is a, a key part of a main clause, mm. because 90% of thoughts we have are negative and repetitive, but they are the, the one of the key things that are controlling our life. Can you please talk about captivating our, our thoughts? Mm. Okay, so that's, that's actually interesting because for me, uh, on my side of that equation, I felt that my, uh, my intention of captivating my thoughts was actually the opposite of what I needed to do. I needed to allow my mind to flow, my mind mm. to run, because it's, you can't be responsible for every electrical impulse in your brain. You're not responsible. And if you're speaking you know, as someone who is uh, a believer, someone who is a believer in any faith, and you feel the moral obligation to control your thoughts, then if you are somebody who's troubled mm. with a negative thought that comes into your mind or a sense of a negative feeling, a feeling that you would say is negative uh, because every feeling has its purpose and even thoughts have their purpose. Mm. Even if it's a thought that you feel like that's totally inappropriate, that is the wrong thing to think, that thought is sometimes telling you something about uh, a need that you have or a missing part of your life that needs to be filled. Mm. It may also be that it's just some crazy thought. If, <laughs> if you take a moment and you think about it, you say, why did I think that about that person? That was such a mean thing to think about them. Sometimes it's, okay, I realize that I feel a little bit insecure when mm -hmm. that person is around, and I'm, I'm mostly just jealous of the attention that they get when they come by. But other times it might just be, you know what? I think maybe I'm just hungry. <laughs> and uh, I need to just get a bite to eat and, mm. and not worry about this. Mm. Uh, for most of the time, if we just take a step back and say, okay, I recognize mm. that was a thought. Mm. I don't think that's a thought that I want to hold on to. So I'm going to give my attention to the things that are more important to me right now. Mm. Um, learning to be present is really one of the main, Perfect, yeah. the main aspects of a mental health regimen. Mm, mm. Just learn to be where you are. Mm, Find mm. a way to sensorially uh, replant yourself. If you do it with your, your fingertips on whatever chair that you're sitting with or screw your feet into the ground and feel the sense that the earth <laughs> is underneath you, take a deep breath. When we breathe out... It slows down our heart rate. It tells our body that we're safe, that we're relaxed. Um, so there's, there's a lot that we can do to help our consciousness not stress out so much about thoughts mm. and not take them so seriously. We don't have to take our thoughts so seriously. We can allow them to flow through. And that's part of creativity, too is not having to edit every single thing that comes out of your mouth, mm, that mm. flows through your pen, mm. that comes into your mind. Just say, you know what? There's a whole lot of unknowns inside my mind. There's a whole lot of unknowns in this thought sphere that I live in with all these other people. Mm. And the better thing to do is just to observe them rather than try to control them and say, wow, that was a really interesting thought. And that <laughs> bothers me. Yeah. I wonder. Maybe I should talk with somebody about that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So I think less control mm. and more observation would mm. be helpful for everybody. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I think 
lots of people aren't aware of even their thoughts. Right. Yeah. And that becomes important because when we begin to observe our thoughts and observe ourselves thinking, mm. then we begin to see the patterns Perfect, yeah. of this thing happens, I have a feeling, the feeling is connected to a thought, that I, a belief mm. that I have about what that thing means, that behavior mm. means. And then I have a programmed response yeah. that I have created through habits. And that program response happens and that creates a consequence. And now I have a fight and I have a problem with this person, or maybe I have a personal, maybe I try to hide all that stuff that's happening. Mm. The event, the feeling, the belief, the response, maybe I try to keep all that to myself because I know it's not good. I know it's not healthy. Yeah. And I know that it would be damaging, but even keeping it to myself does damage in here mm, mm. and it keeps me from being connected to somebody in a healthy way mm. because I'm trying to hide all of that response. Yeah. But if again, we step aside and we say, okay, that happened. I felt this way. Mm. I thought that thing. Why do I think that? Okay. I think that thing because I think I believe this. Mm. And why do I believe that? Well, I believe that because the last time that thing happened, it resulted in this. And I think that's going to happen again if this person does that again. <laughs> mm. But is it going to happen again? No. Any, anything's possible. Mm. Yeah. I, I'm imagining you like just talking to yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe mean, journaling. Right. Yeah. Journaling is important for yeah. that. Yeah. Most people don't know that all of us have those kind of thoughts. Mm -hmm. They, all of us struggle. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the, our consumption, mm. the stories, so social media how it affects our thoughts, mm. how it affects our thinking, the way we think, the way we act. Let's talk about the intentionality of our consumption. Okay. I think one of the most important concepts with regards to uh, social media consumption that we have these days is the, it's something that was put into um kind of put into conceptual form by a psychologist named Vygotsky. And he, what he stated was that your thoughts are actually internalized speech. So in, in his theory, children cannot have thoughts of their own, basically, until they are able to conceive of the meanings behind language. Because what happens, like you just mentioned, What happens is we speak to ourselves mm. inside our minds. Mm. We don't speak in full sentences. We just take little snippets of ideas and concepts. Mm. But we learn those ideas and concepts. We learn how to relate to something that's not here. Mm. You know, when you're a little baby, you can't understand a cup that is taken off the table. Where did it go? It's magic. It's sorcery. Mm. This thing is not here anymore. Well, now that it's not here, there's... There's no way that it's impacting me. But when we learn language, we learn how to take a symbol that represents something that's not here. And mm. that language yeah. enables us to have thoughts. It enables us to think about things in a conceptual form. Mm. So the way that we learn to think is based primarily on the speaking that goes on around us. The conversations we have with people, the conversations other people have in front of us, the things that we listen to, the things that we read, the things that we watch, all of that becomes our thoughts. 
what we consume becomes the internalized speech, becomes the internalized thought process that we have from which to build our mental construct, how we see the world, how we see ourselves, mm. what we think is valuable. We do all of this based on the, the language that is used around us. So I tried this out with my son the other day. We were at a waterfall and with this concept in mind, I began to see how, what, what kind of difference I could make in his experience of something he was doing. We were at a waterfall and he had, uh, he had wandered over into a part of the waterfall where there was kind of this, this flat, calm little pool and he had stepped in some mud. It was really sticky. And he had stepped in the mud and he began to raise his foot. He's like, oh, yuck, dad, it's so sticky. <laughs> and I said, yeah, it feels kind of good, doesn't it? And, and his immediate response was, yeah, it feels good. Whoa. I like it. And, and so I said, it's really weird, you know, how different feelings ha make us feel different ways. And so we continue with that. And then he saw a different part of the waterfall and he would have to swim across this pool, but it was very deep and he would have to swim. And uh, my son is only six years old. So that's how this conversation is, is playing out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's Thor. Uh, he, he saw this other part, this little ledge, but in order to get there, he was going to have to swim across this dark, muddy water. Mm -hmm. And he's looking at it and he says, I want to go over there. But I'm a little bit scared of that deep part. And I said, yeah, what are you going to choose to do to help him become aware Whoa. of the fact that he is not just being controlled by fear, but that he can feel fear and now he can make a choice. Yeah. And he says, I think what I can do is I can... I can swim. I don't have to walk. I can swim to it. And I said, yes, you're right. Sometimes when there's something you don't like, you can go across it and you don't have to go deep into it, but you can go across it to get where you want to go. And so he, uh -huh. he decided he was going to give it a shot. So he swam across and he got to the other side and he said, I did it. And I said, you did it. How do you feel now about yourself? Hmm. And he said, I feel good. I said, do you feel <laughs> proud of yourself? He said, I feel so proud. Wow. And I said, great job. And all of that that I was doing, I was intentionally doing to help him develop hmm. that inner thought process. Wow. So wow. that when he finds himself in a situation where hmm. he's uncomfortable, hmm. like with the sticky mud, He's able to feel what that's like. And he's yeah. able to say, you know what? This is uncomfortable, but it's different. And there's parts of this that I can actually appreciate. There's parts I can mm. enjoy. Mm. And then when he sees a problem situation, he knows, you know, I don't know if I can handle all of it, but I think I could get through part of it uh, and not have to go so deep into it. I think I could get across the top. Whoa. And then when he gets there, when he accomplishes something, now this is something that I'm actually very bad at, is taking the time to savor victory. I am one of my personal defaults is to just say, all right, I've accomplished it. What's next? But I want my children to learn to mm -hmm. say, I've accomplished it. 
Now let me sit here and enjoy this for a okay, moment. Yeah. Let me let me appreciate what this feels like. Let mm. me help this build my sense of personal confidence. Mm. Um, so all of that is something I'm going to be intentional about training my son to think of well, when yeah. he faces these things. That's actually amazing. How, how did you come up with the idea? Like at that moment when Thor asked you. Yeah, I think, you know, to your point with you're being immersed in social media, I'm being immersed right now in all of these thoughts. Oh, yeah. It's everything that I'm reading. <laughs> it's what I'm listening to. I, uh, you know, I go through my textbooks mm. currently with uh, podcast type um, audio. Mm. And I just, when I'm riding my bicycle somewhere, when I'm on my way to and from picking up the kids from school, this is my entire world right now. So it's yeah, it's see, my whole yeah. inner thought process. <laughs> yeah, and you're practicing it in your family. That, that are the, the first mm-hmm. beneficiaries. Right, right. <laughs> Hopefully I don't do anything too, harming. Yeah, too harming. Experimental. Right, so I try not to yeah. do anything that I know, okay, this is a little bit dangerous to experiment with, yeah. Can you share a story uh, related to mental health? Mm. Um, well, you had asked earlier why I chose also to to be in this field. Mm, mm. Um, like I said, there's a number of things that led up to it. One being my own personal experience with it. Um, two being how I see narrative and story as something that shapes reality. Uh, three, we had a personal family crisis mm. a few years back uh, in which my my wife had an experience of the kind of hormonal and mental drop um, that cascaded mm. into a crisis of uh, mental health care. So what what happened was I was away in the U.S. during that time period Uh, for about a month, and so she's here with the kids. Three kids. Three kids. In Thailand. In Thailand. It's smoky season, which uh, northern Thailand has a smoky season where everybody just lights every field on fire and all the forests. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. so aggravating. Um, so she was here during that time period, and the kids are here. They're getting sick. She's feeling stressed out about that and I'm not here so she's constantly on alert making sure everybody's healthy make, making sure everybody's okay uh, and then I arrive back and when I get back um, all that adrenaline that her body was producing and the stress hormones her body was producing in order to keep her alert and focused and able to take care of everybody just dropped out and you know she had this adrenaline fatigue mm. and that that support system because your body creates the support system you know so that your mind can really function mm. so that support system as it collapsed underneath her uh she began to have a a crisis of being able to just say things are okay it's okay where we are is okay there's there's not a threat there's not a stressor right now and so Right there, everything that I had experienced up to that point with, you know, obsessive compulsive tendencies and narrative, you know, personal narrative, the story that we tell about ourselves and the kind of habit forming and building that you experience with uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, mm. all of that 
came into play in a big way because this is my wife mm. and I want to make sure that I can be there for her in this crisis moment and help to support her mm. and also have our kids, you know, who are in the midst of all this too and are also constantly needing care. Yeah. Um, so for us, that was really a crucible for our relationship. Mm. And she powerfully came through that. And we, we started down this road of, okay, let's, let's do this checklist. First of all, let's get sleep, you mm. know, cause that's critical. We need Worst. to get sleep. Mm. So she had a period of two weeks where it was just sleep as much as you can just sleep. Okay. So we got sleep after that. It's all right. Now we need a, a set of habits that get you moving and and functioning in a way that you are shaping yourself, you're shaping your everyday experience so that it's a positive everyday experience. We also need to go back and say, okay, what was what are some of the beliefs? What were some of the expectations that you had that might be causing you to feel like something something bad is happening? Mm. Um, so, you know, we look mm. back on a person's life and mm. you say, okay, so what are the, what are the experiences that a person has that lead them to have certain stress points? Mm. Um, and then in the present, what are things we can do with our bodies that can help ground us here? So, you know, daily exercise and breathing routines and, and the ability to go out and get sunshine uh, eating healthy. And then one other really important component was tell the truth to somebody every day. Um, tell the truth. Tell the truth. Just tell your Any true story. Mm. If somebody is, if you meet someone and you spend some time with them and they ask you a question, just tell them the truth mm. and realize, okay, I don't have to be afraid mm. of being vulnerable. I mm. don't have to be afraid. I don't have to protect myself mm. as much as I conceived mm. that I did before. And she became a anchor for a lot of women within this community, actually, wow. as the person who has experienced this kind of hormonal collapse mm. and stress response and mm. was able to restore, you know, find restoration mm. in that period of her life. And so a lot of other women are like, you know, I've, mm. I've been undergoing a lot of stress mm. and I don't know how I can carry all this. Mm. What do I do? Uh, and yeah. it came in it came in critical really for a lot of women in the area uh, during lockdowns that were happening in this country uh, because she was able to say, listen, mm. you know, I know that you're afraid of all these invisible threats to your life or you're feeling imprisoned in your own home. Mm. Um, but I want you to know that you don't have to worry so much about this. Yeah. And things are going to be okay. Wow. Um, because she had experienced it yeah. herself. Uh, so she's really my hero in that regard. Mm, um, and true. that was another reason for me to say, I think that this is an essential mm. um, chapter of my life yeah. that I want to devote some time to. Is that before COVID? Uh, that happened before, mm. yeah. And then during all that, uh, she was pretty well prepared yeah. to handle it. Yeah. yeah, you know what the beauty of passing through these experiences, you'll be someone who can help mm -hmm. so many other people. Right. So, how do, how do I say it? Something good out of mm -hmm. this, this struggle. Yeah. There's 
beauty or there is something good that comes out of your struggle. Right. So it's good to win that for yourself. Mm-hmm. You'll be a blessing yeah. to, for the people around. Right. That's awesome. This is not only a challenge for non-Christians. It's also a challenge for Christians. Why? How come a, a person who prays, go to church, find himself or herself in mental-related challenge? Yeah, I I mean, that would be a good question because a lot of what people seek in religion is a sense of meaning and uh, an inner peace in a lot of cases. But there are still, there's still mental anguish that you do experience, even if you have a very strong faith. And in fact, most of the people who are our anchor points of faith Mm, mm. experience that mental anguish. It was a major part of their story before and after Mm. conversion. And so I don't think that we should be surprised Mm. that we are having thoughts that bother us, that we have habits or tendencies that seem to be counterproductive to living a life of satisfaction and joy and a full expression of who we are. Um, and I wouldn't say, you know, okay, it's because we're doing something wrong and that's why we're suffering. Uh, I don't think things are that simple. Now, there may be certain habits that we have that are causing us a degree of isolation, a sense that we we don't want to share something with people and mm. we cut ourselves off. And mm. the thing is that we're relational creatures. Yeah. So we can solve a lot of our own inner turmoil just by finding someone that we can build a relationship with and opening ourselves up Mm, because that's a good deal of all those problems are just, I don't want to share myself Mm. with people because I'm afraid of what they'll think of me. I'm afraid that they'll use this to hurt Mm. me in some way. So if we can overcome that, that's going to take care of a whole lot of mental health problems Mm. if you want to use that term. Um, But for other components of that where we'd say, you know, there's, there's a legitimate uh, turn in my mind that is, I keep making that twist and I, I want to stop it. Um, why do we face that if we have found the answers? Uh, I think part of the question or part of the answer is that we're human. And that's, mm. that's something we just have to be comfortable with, mm. that we don't have a... We, we don't have a mind that only meditates on things that bring us joy. We've got a mind that tries to solve problems. And sometimes uh, we pinpoint problems where there isn't a problem. And sometimes we find a problem and we just can't find a solution to it. And we get perplexed about that. And our body responds in a certain way. And we don't understand why our body is responding in that way. Mm. A lot of it is maybe we just don't know ourselves as well as we could. So I don't think necessarily that there is a clear answer to why we might feel a sense of suffering. I I do think part of it is we don't need to put so much pressure on ourselves to not suffer. 
and to have everything work out the way we want it to. Mm. That's not an expectation of faith. And even Jesus said, you know, expect trouble in the world. And even Paul said in anguish to God, uh, could you just take away this thing that keeps bothering me, this thorn in my side, uh, this thorn in my flesh? Why, why do I keep having to have this problem? Uh, Jesus himself, on the night before uh, he was crucified, he kept coming to God and saying, I do not want to have to go through this. Mm -hmm. I really yeah. don't want to have to deal with this. Mm. Um, but if I've got to do it, I've got to do it. Um, so I don't think an expectation of a life without suffering is yeah, in yeah. any way realistic. Yeah. What we need to come to grips with is the making meaning out of suffering. That is the part where the gospel, that is the part where faith comes mm. And, and helps us to experience suffering and say, okay, I'm experiencing this. How can I have hope despite or even through this horrible thing that I have experienced? Um, that's where I think faith can come in and be a salve, be a medicine, be a balm to the wounds and the hurts that we feel. Yeah. That's truly powerful. Mm. I loved it. You've mentioned so many helpful things, but this is the end of the podcast, so people need to grab something and go. So let's summarize it. Okay. Yeah. I think uh, if we're going to walk away, if I could say to anyone who's listening what they could walk away from this long and meandering <laughs> yeah. personal life mm. experience, uh, what I would say would be, one, be present in your body. Find ways to be present in your body every day. Um, take time to breathe. Mm. Take time to get outside, get sunshine, and do it with somebody that you love. I think that it's important that we recognize that your mind is shaped by the speech that we interact with. And so the way that we speak to ourselves, the way that we speak to other people, the things that we consume, we should expect that it shapes the way we think. Mm. And I do think that that relates to social media. So spend a whole lot less time on social media because the interactions that happen on most social media are fabricated. They are, they are controlled by both the value system mm. of that specific media culture, and they are also controlled by monetary interests. Somebody yes. is making money. Yeah, they, and they're using us as a product. Right, and so because someone is making money off of that interaction, mm. you cannot anticipate that that interaction is truly for your benefit. Definitely. Um, I do love a just a simple time with somebody else, something where you get to sit down and you get to look at the person in the mm -hmm. face mm -hmm. and you get to speak because no one else is in this room who is telling us these are the things that are okay to talk about. These are things that are not okay to talk about. And these are the things that we find important. Mm -hmm. It's, it's all just me and you. We're deciding what we want to talk about and we're deciding what's valuable at this moment. And we're deciding where this conversation goes, where mm -hmm. can it go? Mm -hmm. Um, so I do think less time on social media, more time in the world where you are being present 
and more openness with how you're feeling with yourself Mm. and with how you're feeling with other people. All those are important things if you just want to have a balanced, grounded life. Yeah, beautiful. You said beautiful, beautiful words, amazing content. So thank you for being my guest. This is my second podcast in English. Oh wow! It was a challenge for me, but I, I think that was that was great. Yeah, I apologize helpful. if I talk too fast at some point. Sometimes when I get excited, I I just roll on through. So That's okay. Sorry yeah. to everyone. Thank you so much. Love you, Andrew. I uh, love you too, Thank you. Tensei. Thank you for inviting me and trusting me with this time and with your your audience as well. Thanks. Thanks. ውዳኗቻችን አብራችሁን ስለቆያችሁ በጣም እና አመሰግናለን በሚቀጥለው ሳምንት በሌላ ባዲስ ኤፒሶድ እንመለሳለን መልካም ሰው